Welcome to the Tradfest podcast, brought to you by the Temple Bar Company. On this week's Tradfest Tradcast, we visit the ancient Rathfarnham Castle, a historic building on the south side of Dublin City and the newest venue on the roster for Tradfest. To guide us through this beautiful venue, we meet Supervisor at Rathfarnham Castle, Catherine O'Connor. Well, you're very welcome, Karen, to Rathfarnham Castle. Um, Rathfarnham Castle is one of the most historic buildings in Dublin um, and probably not as well known as it should be. Um, it dates back to 1583. It was built for Adam Loftus, who was the Lord Chancellor of Ireland, and he was also the Archbishop of Dublin. A very, very powerful man. He was sent as an envoy by Queen Elizabeth I of England to spread the new faith of Protestantism. Now, he would have had his own palace in Tala, but he didn't feel entirely safe there, so he decided that he needed a proper defensible home for himself and his family. Uh, he had a very, very large family. He had 20 children, and uh, he was also a very, very wealthy man, so he wanted to protect his property. So when he was having his castle designed and built, um, he had it designed with defensible features. So although it was primarily his home for his uh, many goods and his many children, it was also a place uh, where he would want to feel protected. So it had towers, it had crenellations, and it had a whole series of musket loops, some of which you can see today. Uh, the castle stayed in his family for many, many generations, and it went out of the family in uh, the 1720s uh, when it was sold by um, a very profligate descendant of his who had gambled away the family fortune. Um, but it came back into the family again in the 1760s when a descendant of his purchased it um, and in his will left it to yet another descendant who's a very important person in the history of the castle, and uh, that is Henry Loftus the Earl of Eli and that might be a good uh, time to sort of begin our tour of the castle. <laughs> so. Just before we do that and in relation to Dublin City we're in Rathfarnham. Where exactly is Rathfarnham in relation to the city centre? Rathfarnham uh, is just on the south side of the city. It's about 25 minutes from the city centre if you're driving out from town uh, but it's just on the edge really of the border with Wicklow um, and indeed when Adam Loftus lived here he was terribly afraid of the tribes of Wicklow especially the O'Burns and the O'Toole's but it's very near the city centre so we're not it's not as, as wild as it used to be in, in, in past times. So let's take a look around Rathfarnham Castle then. Okay, well, we're in the entrance hall of Rathfarnham Castle, which is now, I suppose, it's an 18th century style uh, room. um, And it's uh, quite simple and austere in a way, but there are little clues to the family around you. So as you look around, you'll see a whole uh, series of medallions around the wall, which depict different uh, writers, artists and philosophers. So, for example, we know that there's an image there of Socrates, there's one of Michelangelo, there's one of Dante, there's one of Petrarch. And what the Loftus family were trying to say uh, here is that they were a family who were very learned. They were people who read books, they were people who knew about art, they knew about uh, great writers, 
writers and thinkers, and they're showing off effectively. They're letting people know what kind of family they are. Now, another feature to look at in the entrance hall is the uh, beautiful stained glass. There are two beautiful windows here with uh, 18th century painted glass, which depicts fruit and flowers. Now, uh, this may be a reflection of uh, what the gardens were like, the gardens which surrounded the castle. Um, I mentioned briefly Henry Loftus, who was the Earl of Ely. He inherited the castle in the uh, late 18th century, and he began to transform the castle from what would have been a very old-fashioned building into a grand 18th century Georgian um, palace really. Um, he had been to many of the fantastic beautiful houses in England, he spent a lot of time there and he was really was bringing those ideas back to Ireland and so one of the things he developed um, or began to develop were, uh, were the walled gardens, the glass houses and all of that and we know that he grew very uh, exotic fruit and flowers here. Well personally he wouldn't have had, he had an army of people to do that for him but we know that they had very very exotic fruit and flowers here and so the uh, images in the stained glass may reflect what he was growing. Uh, the next room that we're uh, going to visit is the dining room. And the dining room is, I think, well, my favourite room in the castle and often turns out to be the one that people remember uh, most. Now, when you look at it, or when you look around us now, you're probably thinking the place could do with a lick of paint, but they not do it up a bit. But actually, what we're doing is we're leaving the layers exposed because in this room, you can tell the entire history of the castle. You can go right from the start, when the castle was first built, right up to the 20th century when the Jesuit priests were here. Um, the first feature you'll see uh, that brings us right back to the origins of the castle is the remains of a 16th century doorway. And that led into one of the towers where no doubt there were sentries uh, standing to protect Adam Loftus. There's also 17th century panelling just running along one of the walls here. Um, that's actually been reused. It was recycled in the 18th century. It's actually up upside down but it would have um, actually covered the walls entirely in the 17th century gone right up to just below the ceiling below the cornice and it was very fashionable but it was also insulation so it was practical as well as very beautiful uh, and then we have our ceiling so look up at the ceiling and you'll see that it's in two different parts uh, much of it dates to the 1740s and it's a Rococo ceiling, it's very, very beautiful and a freehand stucco work. But if you look into the semicircular area, the bow area at the other end, you'll see it's a bit different and there's a reason for that. The bow area was built later. When Henry Loftus inherited the castle, he was a man of fashion and he wanted to have a bow area. This was the height of fashion because in the 18th century, people were entertaining more and they had more leisure time, so they wanted more light and space. So this was a modern, it was an extension, uh, but it was very elegant. But when uh, Henry Loftus had the bow area built, he wanted the same fancy ceiling. So he had the pattern, the ceiling pattern replicated into the bow area, but it was done quite a few years later and the quality of the work isn't as good. So either a different stuccador was employed, but he wasn't as good, or it was the previous one, but he's got, got old and he wasn't as good. <laughs> so no, lest anybody would think they're the sounds of ghosts here at <laughs> Rathfarnham Castle. Uh, it is a working castle and it's open to the public. We can hear some people in the background. So just uh, leaving the... Uh, the the uh, dining room, we'll head on into the, the long gallery or the saloon, which was a, a very, very beautiful drawing room, but was also used for um, exhibitions. And we still use it for exhibitions today. Uh, we run exhibitions very regularly throughout the year. Uh, so this really was the grand drawing room for when 
the dining room was being used for entertainment. Now, just as we pass through into the long gallery, just look up at the ceiling of the little passageway we're going through. Now, it's a tiny little passageway, very, very small, but it's very ornate. And this is because this is a public area. This is where people were brought through uh, when they were being entertained. So everything was there to impress you. So at, in the ceiling, there's a beautiful uh, depiction of Apollo, the sun god, who appears to be out today. He's working hard. It's a lovely sunny day out here at the castle. And then over each doorway, there are uh, some ladies who are dancing and playing music, and they appear to be drinking some wine as well. And these are bacantes. They are really spirits of celebration. And again, it's kind of indicative of what the rooms were used for. They were used for entertainment. Um, and we also have um, the entrance down to a little spiral staircase, a little wooden staircase, which is very intriguing and which lots of people assume might be the servant's stair. But that wouldn't be the case because if you look, there's more fancy uh, plaster work. So that wasn't for the servants. That was the family stairs, which they used when they were home alone. They didn't use the grand staircase all the time because that would have been a little bit OTT. So this is just when they were home alone. But even this little space is so ornate because the visitors might see it. So it all had to be good. So coming into the long gallery, look up at the ceiling. Again, it's magnificent. It's really magnificent. And um, it's, I suppose it's a good time to introduce the name of one of the two very, very famous architects who are associated with the castle. Um, in the 18th century, Henry Loftus, Earl of Ely, employed two very, very um, renowned architects to carry out designs for the castle. One was Sir William Chambers, who was the court architect to the king, and the other was um, James Athenian Stuart, uh, whose nickname will tell you what his interest uh, was, which was ancient Greek architecture. Uh, now, they never came to Ireland, so everything was done by correspondence. And imagine what that was like before email and telephones. This was all letter by letter. So James Athenian Stuart designed the Long Gallery, and it's very, very ornate. Uh, he threw in every motif that he could possibly think of um, to, to make this room truly magnificent because this was a room for entertaining your guests to the highest degree. Now, when you look up at the ceiling, you may be a bit surprised. You, you probably can see there are religious paintings there. And that's probably a little bit out of place, you might think, in, in this magnificent house with its 18th century interiors. But another aspect of the history of the castle is uh, the many years that the Jesuits lived here. Um, they were here for 73 years, and there are probably people out there listening who came here on retreat, because that was one of the main focuses of the uh, Jesuit uh, residence here and it was also a home for the junior Jesuits, the, the young Jesuits who were studying um, in the University College Dublin and Ellsford Terrace so they lived here. Um, now when uh, the uh, Jesuits uh, purchased the castle um, they needed to replace a series of paintings which had been in the ceiling of the Long Gallery. Uh, those paintings were by the very, very famous Swiss artist Angelica Kaufmann. There were scenes from mythology. She was very renowned. She was protege of Sir, uh, Sir Joshua Reynolds, first female member of the Royal Academy. It was hugely prestigious to have her work here, but 
those paintings were sold in the early 20th century, disappeared to America, were separated, um, and unfortunately the series is missing. <laughs> it's missing somewhere. Um, but the Jesuits needed to replace those paintings, and they commissioned a series of religious paintings uh, to complete the decoration of the dining room. And uh, at the time, the artist was unknown. He was a young man, a young art teacher and art student, but he uh, was, in fact, later to become one of our most renowned uh, artists, very famous for his portraits, and that was Patrick Tuohy. Um, so, even though the paintings may seem out of place here, they're very important in art historical terms and in the history of the castle. And therefore, if people come and visit here, they can see those paintings? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, when we're open to the public all year round. And so, yes, you can come and see these very, very important and, and quite beautiful paintings. Well, we'll drag ourselves away from the paintings. Maybe you can take us to the next room here in this very, very interesting Rathfarnham Castle. Okay, well, we're going to cross back across uh, the, uh, the entrance hall and we're going to go up a very modern stairs. And again, that, that's a surprise to people when they see this very modern glass and wood stairs and they wonder, why have we got such a stairs here? Well, this stairs is replacing the grand staircase. The grand staircase was removed at a time unknown. And as you can probably gather, Kieran, there are a lot of mysteries in this castle. <laughs> so we're always finding out new things. And so one of the difficulties here is that uh, this grand staircase was removed at a time unknown and we've no idea what it looked like. We, we have no images, we have no drawings. Um, so a decision was made in the 1990s when the castle was being restored to replace the grand staircase so that people could access the important rooms such as the ballroom uh, using the route that visitors would have used in the 18th and early 19th century. So although the stairs is modern, it has the proportions of the grand staircase wider for the ladies' dresses, of course, and also for the gentlemen's ceremonial swords when they were attending the balls. So there was plenty of room for people to move, and also you could sweep up the stairs. Um, so if we ever find any information about what the grand staircase looked like, well, the stairs can be removed because it's, as you can see, bolted together. Um, so it doesn't have to be permanent um, if we ever find out a little bit more about the grand staircase. And again, Again, this space is quite ornate. It's got a very, very grand ceiling rose uh, where the, the very uh, large light hangs. And then you can also see that there are frames on the walls which effectively uh, were where you hung the family pictures. And indeed, you can see one of the family members there in one of the frames, Jane Myhill, who would have lived here in the castle from, from perhaps from time to time, not always. And we proceed from there into the anteroom. And the anteroom really was a kind of reception room before you went into the ballroom so it was the last chance to fix your hair and your makeup uh, before you proceeded to the ball and of course in the late 18th century men and women uh, wore quite extensive amounts of makeup and of course the wigs were, were common to everyone. Uh, the anteroom was designed uh, by Sir William Chambers and has very very delicate design um, very beautiful uh, ceiling and all sorts of little details but I suppose the highlight of the room is the Venetian window which is a um, kind of tripartite window, very, very ornate. And if you look very carefully, you're going to see that there are little pineapples at the top of each of the columns. They're very fancy capitals, because we're in the very important part of the house now, so everything's a bit flancier and fancier. But there are little pineapples, and those pineapples are an ancient symbol of welcome. So it's very appropriate that they be placed here in the, uh, in the anteroom um, as people are being welcomed into the ball. 
Now, when we proceed through the rest of the castle, you'll notice we have uh, some beautiful furniture, and we have a small but very important collection of uh, late um, 18th century and early 19th century furniture. And although the castle dates back to uh, the 1580s, we don't know as much about the uh, earlier interiors as we do about the later interiors because there was much more of the fabric of the castle left from that period so it's easier for us to reproduce what it looked like then than what it looked like in, in Adam Loftus's time. So we'll move on into the ballroom which is where uh, the Tradfest events take place and um, it's a magnificent room, ballroom primarily but also would have been used perhaps as a dining room for very 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 big um, fancy dinners um, for entertainment. Um, it was designed by William Chambers again and it bears that uh, 18th century desire for symmetry. It's uh, got uh, two doors at the back, two doors at the front, so a little bit like an airplane, but one of the doors at the bottom uh, right is actually a, a false door. It actually opens but there's nothing behind it and this was just for symmetry. Also another thing to look at is to look up at the top of the columns and you'll see again how fancy they've become. They're really, really ornate. The capital are really ornate but not only are they ornate they're gilded because again you're in one of the most important rooms in the house this was a great place for showing off um, the columns are, are hollow they're wooden uh, because if they were made of stone they would just have gone straight through the floors and it, as you're walking around you might notice the floors squeak a lot this is because a lot of the floors here are original 18th century floors, 18th century floorboards, Baltic pine. Uh, they would have been doweled together rather than using nails or screws and kept to a very high polish uh, using turpentine and beeswax. So that's how you keep your floors nice and shiny. And fairly long floorboards, I notice. Yes, one of them actually runs the whole length of the floor. So it's a challenge to see if you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> and around the walls here we have some of the ancestors um, we're lucky enough to have a nice collection of family portraits um, and so when we do tours here we're able to speak about each of these individuals a little bit more but it's, when you see them it makes more sense you can see what they look like and the highlight of our collection really is uh, the uh, portrait of Lucy Bridges who is the young lady you see here in the middle uh, Lucy was married to another Adam Loftus a direct descendant of the original man who was a very very colourful character a very wealthy, great friend of Charles II, uh, lived a life of luxury and uh, he and Lucy spent time here but also in their house in London um, and you may remember um, just about two years ago a very large cache of high-end luxury domestic goods were found here during an excavation and a lot of those items would have belonged to Adam so he had monogrammed wine bottles, need we say more about his lifestyle. Um, but we can tell you more about those characters when you come to visit. And just tell us a little about that discovery, though, from a couple of years ago. Yes, uh, we were having a lift installed to make the castle more accessible. Um, and because it was undisturbed ground, archaeologists had to be present when the works were starting. And uh, just on a routine day of work... We came across a very large cache of objects, uh, high-end domestic goods really, so we're talking ceramics, uh, glass, little uh, drinking glasses, um, the monogrammed wine bottles. Uh, there were coins, including a silver coin from Colombia, and apparently the mine from which the silver was taken to make the coin is still in operation. Uh, there were belt buckles, there were little glass figurines, which may have been part of a diorama. Uh, there were the remains of very, very fancy shoes with the red soles and very high heels, which were men's shoes apparently. Uh, there were lots of things pertaining to 
lace making. Um, so perhaps the ladies of the house engaged in lace making, um, pins for holding clothes together because they didn't always use buttons. There were some buttons as well, um, but everything was of very, very, very high quality. There was even a little pencil, actually, a little, and a, a folding toothbrush and a marrow spoon and the remains of a fan, so all that kind of thing. But everything was very, very high-end. A lot of it was imported from abroad, um, so we're talking about links with other parts of the world. Quite an early period, really, of the castle's history. Um, and nothing was just, you know, from the local shop. <laughs> it was all very, very high-end. And are they visible for visitors to see when they come here? Not at the moment, because they're being studied, researched, cleaned, preserved, conserved, drawn, photographed, um, and in time, perhaps, some of the objects will be returned for display. They belong to the National Museum, and they're looking after them at the moment. Uh, but we hope to have some of them back here in future. Now, we know that there are a couple of events happening here during Trad Fest, but going back in time, what sort of events would have been held here? Well, um, they would have had music here, uh, th that is for certain. We know that back in the 1580s, when Adam Loftus lived here, he had his own harper called William Bathe or Bath, we're not sure how to pronounce his name, and um, he apparently either, um, he was commissioned, either William Baith was commissioned to make a harp for Queen Elizabeth I, or Adam Loftus sent her a harp. Not entirely certain, but certainly Queen Elizabeth I received a harp which came from Adam Loftus from this castle, um, and th that tradition continued. Again, in the 18th century, there are references to Henry Loftus having a harpist here, um, and they would have entertained here. Certainly the bow area here in the ballroom, it's a perfect place for musicians where the Tradfest performers will actually be performing. So there seems to have always been a tradition of music and the arts here. Henry Loftus, also Earl of Eli, was a great patron of the arts. Um, and again, part of our kind of work here is to continue with that tradition by hosting regular exhibitions. Uh, we know that he had a great art collection, for example. So the music and the art always went together. So it goes right back to the 16th, 16th century. And of course, you do run regular events here open to the public? Yes, we do. Uh, we have an event programme which runs all year round. Uh, now, this could be anything. We have concerts, we have lectures, we have theatre, we have children's workshops, readings, all sorts of activities. And the best way to find out about them is to follow our Facebook page or you can also check our website at farnhamcastle.ie. And if you click on contacts on our Facebook page, you can put your email address in and then you will receive a newsletter once a month with details of all the events that are happening. And we've recently joined the world of Twitter, so we're tweeting away like mad, so you can find out more there as well. Um, and you can also just do the old-fashioned thing and ring us and find out what we're doing. Uh, so events happening all year round, um, and it's, it's wonderful. It keeps the castle alive, and it would always have been a place where things happened so just because it's old doesn't mean it can't be full of the life that was here when it when it was uh, first occupied by Adam and his 20 children so you can imagine what it was like then it's much the same now <laughs> thank you for listening to the Tradfest podcast for more information on Tradfest go to tradfest.ie Tradfest is brought to you by the Temple Bar Company